Okay, good morning. Today's shoes for a full shame of Rafael Meyer Ben Liat and Le'ilu Nishmas Matisyao Ben Mordechai Yosef and Zev Yaakov Ben Dov Nota. Um, today's daf is daf Nun Tes. We're going to go from the top of Nun Tes Amud Aleph and um, 59a. Yesterday, um, in the Gemara, we raised the contradiction. We, we, we raised the issue in the Brysa. The Brysa said that if you have a bell with the clapper missing, it remains Tomei. So you had a bell that uh, was worn, let's say, around a child's neck, and it became Tomei. And then the clapper was removed, we said it remains Tomei. Now, why are we so bothered with that is we know that once you ruin a clee by doing an action to it, and you can't use it anymore, well, then it can't be Makabel Tume anymore. So that's, uh, so that's what the Gemara is coming to answer. So we gave one answer yesterday. Um, let's just go with Rava's answer. That no, it can still kind of work as a bell because you might not go like that and ring it, but you'll bang it against Cheres uh, or use it uh, to bang with something else to make a sound to, to, uh, for the school bell to call all the children in, you know. So, uh, so it still does have a slight purpose and therefore that's why it remains Tome. So now we're going to give a different answer to that. Now, basically, our initial thought, we're going to bring Rabbi Yochanan's opinion. He holds that as long as an art, if you noticed, interestingly, Rava's answer was that it can be used for a similar purpose. It was for making a sound, and you can use it for a similar sound by knocking it against, for a similar purpose, I to make a sound by knocking it against something. Rabbi Yochanan's going to come along and say that, no, it's much more, um, um, Rabbi Yochanan says, no, you don't have to come onto that. You can use it for that. You can use it as a little cup for a child. Because at the moment we're assuming that Rabbi Yochanan holds that as long as it has any purpose, it doesn't have to be similar to what it was made for. It just has to have any purpose. It will remain Tomei. Um, interesting, yeah, just to highlight again, remember for something to become um Subject to tuma for a clee to be considered made and ready and subject to come tome all depends on the owner's mind. So that's why you would have this discussion, this debate of, well, he intended it as a bell, he intended it for something that makes a sound, and now, uh, um, and now it can't make a sound. Is it still considered a clee because it's not at all what the owner made? So it seems from what we started that by the fact that Robert says you can still use it to tap it against something and make a sound, it must have at least a similar use compared to its original intended purpose. And according to Rabbi Yochanan, no, it just has to have any use. So let's see this inside. Rabbi Yochanan, Omar Rabbi Yochanan says, what's a bell without a clapper fit for that it remains Tomei? says, hoel veroi legama bo mayim latinox, since you can use it as a little cup to give a child to drink. Does Rabbi Yochanan not need it to be have a purpose similar to its original purpose? I again, as we were saying, like something with the intent that it initially had, that it was initially made for. We had a brice of a call olov, any kli which he sits on. So, yeah, before we go into this brice, what we bring in now is Batumas Midras. We know that if a zav, a zav, yoledes, 
Nida Yoleda, it's all those people who have some sort of discharge. If they sit on something or lean on something, might even be walk over something, it becomes Tome Midras, a very high level of Tuma. But as we're going to see, one of the conditions for it to become that level of Tuma is that it's made for sitting or lying on. If it's not made for that, then it can't reach that level of Tuma. So this is that Rosh says, Any Kli which you sit on it, what, you turn over a sayer-sized barrel or a tarkov-sized barrel, you know, like you turn over one of those plastic uh, things for carrying glasses in, you turn over one of those and sit on it, it can become Tomei Midras. Talmud Loma, the Torah says, which the Zav will sit on it. Yeshiva, something that's specific for sitting on excluding something that the that people come along and say, please move, we need it now. So you sit on one of those containers to hold glass, someone's going to come to you and say, please get off it, we need to fill it up and carry stuff or transport stuff or we need it now. So it has to be something designated to sit on. Now, Rashi learns from here that it's not so clear from this Bryson, that's what certain Rishonim challenge Rashi on. But Rashi learns from here there's actually two parts to this halacha that it has to be something that is, sit, um, that is used for sitting on, and it will, we'll then understand the Mashwake Samurai that follows. Um, first point is that, like we just said, that for it to become Tome Midras, it has to be something designated for sitting on. If you just took a, took a, a barrel, and he turned it over and used that as a chair, that's not going to become Tome Midras because it's not designated to sitting on. The second halacha is that it's only something that stands to, for people to sit on. If it was initially for sitting on, and then something happened to it, and it's no longer used for sitting on, it's not Makabal Tome anymore. The one example they bring is if you have a, if you have a, piece of cloth that's three tvochim by three tvochim, three hands breast by three hands breast. Okay, that's a good cover for a chair. That's something that you can use to sit on. You want to sit on the floor and you don't want to get muddy, so you put it down and sit on. What happens if you cut it and now it's smaller than that? So you can't use it for sitting on. You can use it as a patch. You can use it as a something else, but it's not. So you've changed its purpose. So there, that, this seems, this bricer, that's the second um, principle built on this uh, um, built from this bracer. I first point is if you have something that is, it has to for to become tome midras. It has to be something that is specific for sitting on. I not something that you're just using to sit on, but it has really another purpose. And also, it has to have its original purpose for sitting on. If it's changed, even if it's useful for something else. But you change it so that it can't be, it's not for sitting on anymore. Well, then it's not Makabal Tumma, then it's not Tome anymore. So, what do we see from this? Yeah, one second. We see from it, one second, one second. We see from here about Tome Midras that it has to have a similar use to what it initially could be used for, sitting or lying on, unlike if you changed it for another use. That's the that's what the price uh, that's what we want to bring out from the price. Uh. Yes, Basil. Sorry, one second, I can't hear. Try now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so by Tumma Midras, it becomes, if I remember correctly, it becomes a other Tumma, so it can make other things Tome. If, if I remember correctly. No, so then if he's sitting on it, he's sitting on a barrel, you said. So the barrel at most would become a Rishon. Not, it won't become the special level of Tumas Midras. And that Rishon cannot make other Kalim Tome. It can make food Tome, but not other Kalim. So again, this is a special lock of Midras. But let's just focus on the point that we wanted to bring out from here. That um, we have this thing that's changed from a chair to another purpose. It's still useful, but not for its initial purpose of sitting on or lying on. It is not Makabal Tumas Midras anymore. And now we're going to have a Machloikes Rebbe Elazar and Rebbe Yochanan. Whether that trans, what about by other Tumas? So Tumas Sheretz. Tumas mace, etc. Or Tumas mace. If it's changed, it still has another purpose, but not the original purpose. Does it remain Tome? So Rebbe Lezer, I'm a bemidrasoit oimri, omud v'nasem elachtenu, but ain't oimri b'tome mace, omud v'nasem elachtenu. Rebbe Lezer says specifically by Tumas midras, do we say? Get off, get, get off this bench. We need to use it for sitting on. It has to be something specific to sitting on. Um, and also it has to still retain that purpose of sitting on. But regarding Tom and Mace, we do say get up and let us do our work. Uh, even if it retains its original um, purpose. Sorry, even if it does not retain its original purpose, it still remains Tomei. Rabbi Yochanan Omar, Af Omei B'Tomei Meis, Omud V'Nasa Melachtenu. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, even by Tomei Meis, it has to remain with part of its similar, its original purpose. So again, so we have this big Machloikes, Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yochanan. If you have a Kli that was designated for something, let's not discuss Tumas Midras anymore, because that they both agree on. You have a key that was designated something, like a bell that was designated for ringing. And then you take out the clapper and now it's a cup. So it still has a purpose, it's still a key, but it's not at all what it originally was for. Do we learn from Midras to other Tumas that no, once you've changed the purpose of it, it loses its Tuma. And in the above Sukhi, Rabbi Yochanan says, well, as long as it's useful, even if it has nothing to do with the original purpose, it can become Tomei, it remains Tomei. And here, Rabbi Yochanan said, no, it has to have a remnant of its original purpose. So, so, so what, how are we going to resolve this contradiction in Rabbi Yochanan? So, April Kamaisa switched the first one around. I actually, it was Rava who said you can use the bell without a clapper to feed a child. It has a purpose. And it was Rabbi Yochanan who says, no, the reason the bell is still subject to, is still Tomei, even though the clap is removed, is because you could still use it to ring. It still has a similar purpose. It's similar to something that was changed from a chair into a stool or a chair into a bench. It's still similar purpose that it was used for originally. Um, it was changed into a sheet to a pink, uh, picnic blanket. You know, something like that still has a remnant of its previous use. And that's how we'd have to say Rabbi Yochanan holds that only something that has a remnant of its original use would remain Tomei. It says, oh, my cousin, if it is Kamaisa, if, if April, 
What did you see to switch the first machlokes, switch the second machlokes? And we just said that Rabbi Yochanan, let's change the opinions and say Rabbi Yochanan must hold it has a, and must have a similar use to its original purpose. Just say the other way around. Switch this Rabbi Yochanan. says, no, Hosh Rabbi Yochanan. We see elsewhere from Rabbi Yochanan this principle again. The boy ma'ain malacha rishona, that it has to have a similar or a remnant of its original purpose. The Tanan, as we learned in a Mishnah. Sandel tome. This metal animal shoe becomes tome. I, they, their shoes, it was more like a, I mean, I think more like a little cup that they would put on the animals, under the animal's foot, not, not like our horse shoes. But more like a cap that they put under. Oh my rav. So, why should it be makabal tumma? Anything designated for an animal is not considered a kli tashmisha for human use that can become tome. So, why would this shoe, this metal shoe made for an animal, be able to become tome? So, oh my rav, roi lishtos bomayim bemelacha, bemilchoma. No, the owner can use it to drink from. He's in the middle of war. He takes, he needs a cap, t- uh, takes this animal shoe he has and uses it to drink. Rabbi Chanina Omar, Roy Lasuch Boy Shemen Bemilchama. says, no, if he's out at war and he needs um, uh, something to help smear the oil over his body, he can use this cap, this animal shoe. Rabbi Yochanan Omar, Bishashe Boreches Minakorov Menichu Beraglo Verots Al Koitzim Vala Barkarim. Now, if he needs to escape from the battle, flee the battle, he can put it on his feet. And it will protect him from thorns and thistles. I can get over. It's a metal shoe, so he can get over very uh, rough terrain without injuring his feet. It says ah, oh, um, but so this is. Let's before we go into what the difference between the opinions is. According to Rabbi Yochanan, what do we see? Rabbi Yochanan holds that it was. It has to be have a similar purpose. It was made for an animal shoe, and it can be used as a person's shoe. So it has a remnant of its original purpose, and that's why it can be makabel tumah. And so we see in two places, Rabbi, we say that we have a record of Rabbi Yochanan, that as, as far as our tradition goes, that Rabbi Yochanan holds for something that became Tomei to remain Tomei, even after it's changed. It has to have a similar purpose to its initial, initial uh, intended purpose. And it must be therefore that so to in Al Sugya, when we said that a bell that has a clapper removed, Rabbi Yochanan said it can be, it's, well, everyone, the Brisa says it can still, it's still Tome, must be Rabbi Yochanan who said because you can still make a sound with it because it, that has an original purpose. And the, the opinion, the other opinion that says that no, even if it's used as a cup for a child, I hear it's still useful. Nothing to do with its original intent. That must be the other opinion, Robert. Now he says, Ma ben Rav Rabbi Chanina. What's Rav and Rabbi Chanina arguing? The one said you can use use this horseshoe to drink from. The other said you can use it to help smear oil over your body. If it became dirty, according to Rav, you can't use it to drink from, so it would not be makabal tumah. According to Rabbi Chanina, it is. You can still use it to smear oil, and therefore it's fine. Bain Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Chanina, what's the difference between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Chanina? If it's a very heavy one. If it's very heavy, you can't run with it, but you can still use it to smear oil over. Okay, that's the end of this piece. We now go on to the next item we mentioned in the Mishnah. Below be Irshel Zohov, a woman's not allowed to go out with this. Irshel Zohov, some sort of uh, head uh, crown-like decoration. It says, my be Irshel Zohov. What is a Irshel Zohov? So Rabbi Achana, Rabbi Yochanan, Yerushalayim did the Hava. Rabbi Achana said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, it's a golden Jerusalem. Like Rabbi Akiva made for his wife. Remember the story with Rabbi Akiva. He, he's, he's the daughter of Kalba Savua, one of the most influential, wealthy 
um, prestigious dignitaries of their generation, um, very wealthy. Daughter wanted to marry the shepherd, Rabbi Akiva, who knew no, he was poor, he knew no Torah, and the father actually disowned him. And she was the one who got Rabbi Akiva to learn Torah, the famous stories with Rabbi Akiva's wife and her sacrifice for Torah. And that's, uh, so he said to her, he said, when I can afford it, I'll make you a Yerushalayim Shilzahov. It was a very prestigious uh, forehead crown-like decoration, it seems like, with the pattern of uh, maybe the Jerusalem skyline or something like that uh, engraved in gold on it. I mean, interesting enough, they bring Rabbi Rabban Gamliel's wife. Sorry, I can't hear. I don't know why I'm struggling to hear. Yes. It must have got a song from here. Yerushalayim Shilzahov. of gold. Um, I'm not sure. That could be. I mean, here's not here's the it's a deck here. It's we're discussing a piece of jewelry, uh, like a decoration, a tiara, no, some object. No, it's jewelry. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, um, so and yeah, so just interesting. Um, Rabban Gamliel, I think it's the Yerushalmi on here. Rabban Gamliel asked for Rabban Gamliel's wife said, "Oh, look what Rabbi Akiva, look at that beautiful jewelry." Rabban Gamliel, I also want one, and he said, "No, she earned it through her sacrifice for Torah." You know the famous story that she was uh, she sent Rabbi Akiva away for twelve years to learn. People used to comment to her like, "You're living like an aguna. You have no husband. Why? Like, what's going on here?" And when Rabbi Akiva, after twelve years, was coming back to visit her, he heard her say at the door, "You know what? If he came home now, I would send him away for another twelve years." And he went away, and that's when he came back twenty-four years later, um, without having seen his wife. So that's. Uh, she really sacrificed for Torah and she deserved this Jerusalem of gold. And that's, the, that's what we're speaking about in the Mishnah, that a woman's not allowed to carry it. Rabbi Meir says if a woman goes out with a Jerusalem of gold, she, this, this ornament, she's chav chatas. It's also Doraisa to carry it. Why? So basically, um, I saw the, the Rashba gives two possibilities. Either it was very heavy. So it's not really something, it was always considered a burden. No matter how beautiful it was and ornate, it's still considered a burden because of its weight. Well, the second answer I found a lot easier. It says, no, only extremely wealthy women would wear this. And it's beneath the dignity. Remember the whole reason for most of these, what's the concern? Why is a woman not allowed to go out with her jewelry? This is underlying theme throughout the, out the peric because she'll take it off to show her friends. And then she might end up carrying this. Well, here, a very wealthy, dignified woman, it's beneath their dignity to take it off to show their friends their jewelry. So she won't, so the sort of people who wear this, Jerusalem, um, so, sorry, that doesn't help us. Um, so, sorry, 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 I'm missing up, I'm mixing up points. Rabbi May holds, why is this at Osadorais? Because women didn't wear these gold things as jewelry, as ornaments. They wore them to show off their wealth. It's not a, it's not a jewelry. It's not an ornament. It's to show off the wealth, and therefore every male holds it's considered a load. No, a woman's not allowed to go out with this Jerusalem of gold. But if she does go out, it's she's potura. It's isudrabonan, and that would fit in with the rest of the Mishnah. All jewelry is isudrabonan because she might come to carry it for Amos. Rabbi Eliezer says, no, it's not even a piece of jewelry and therefore she can go out with it. And this is, sorry, this is the second point I was saying because um, a woman, it's considered very, uh, it, it was only very wealthy, very prestigious woman would wear this Irshel Zahov, 
this Jerusalem of gold jewelry, and therefore, and it was beneath their dignity to take it off to show their friends. Strictly speaking, you would not have the concern that she might carry it by a, 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 a extremely wealthy woman, a Khashiv woman, because uh, she's not going to take it off to to show her friends. It's beneath her dignity to do that. So then we just have to clarify one point that the Rishonim go into. So wait, can a wealthy woman therefore wear all her jewelry out because she's not likely to take it off? We've just said, according to Rebbe Lezer, a wealthy woman can wear this Jerusalem of gold because she's not going to take it off. So they make the one distinction they make is no. If it's jewelry that is unique to wealthy women, I, so this Irshel Zahav, no woman who's wearing an Irshel Zahav would ever take off the Irshel Zahav to show her friends. So there's no Xerah Kontarebelezer on the Irshel Zahav. But on all the other types of jewelry that we've been discussing, all the different types of ornaments, there she might actually, a regular woman would take it off to show her friends. So there's a blanket Xerah on that piece of jewelry. We don't come along and say, if, you, if you're middle class, you can. If you're wealthy, you can't. We have a Xerah. But as we've said, the Irshel Zahav is different. Because no one who's ever wearing an Irshel Zahav would ever take off that Irshel Zahav. But other jewelry they might. Now we say, yeah, what are they arguing? Rabbi Meir holds it's a load. Rabbi, the Chachomim, the Rabbonin hold it's considered jewelry and adornment. And therefore, our concern is she might take it off and show her friends. So, Torah says she's allowed to wear it, but there's the Isra Rabbon. Who's the sort of person who would wear a Il Shilsov, a Isha a prestigious woman, a woman, and therefore there's no concern she'll take it off to show her friends. Now we go on to a similar type of jewelry, new point. Klila, what about a tiara? Rav also, Shmuel Shari. Rav says she's not allowed to go out with her, and Shmuel says she is. Da'aniska kuli amaloi pligi da'asu. Where it's metal, I gold, everyone agrees that it's also. Because then it's a very fancy piece of jewelry, and she's likely to show her friends. Ki pligi da'aruksa, where it's woven. Uh, it seems like a more simple, it's some sort of headband tiara-like thing that we're talking about. It was sometimes it was made of material with gold or gems uh, woven and stitched into it, so it's not as prestigious as a pure gold one. So Marsovar aniske ikar, umarsovar aruksa ikar. The one holds that where it's metal, then it's uh, sorry. How do you view this woven tiara? Let's call it. So the one, the one opinion holds that well, the metal is still the ikar. The gold and the gems that are attached to this um, material band are what's the ikar. And the other opinion holds no. The material is the ikar and therefore she's, it's not khashiv and she's never going to come off, take it off to show her friends. So that's the first version again. Is that by, if it's a metal one, I a gold one, everyone holds it's osur. If it's a material one, well then it's a discussion. Do we view the material part is the ikar and it's not anything special and she's not going to come with a regular headband or do we say since it's got gold and gems on it it is jewelry and she would take it off Rav Ashi learned it more leniently he says if it's a woven kalila headband everyone agrees it's mutar they argue on a golden one 
The one opinion Rav holds it's also to wear because she might it's jewelry and she might take it off to show her friends. Who's the sort of person who would go out with her? Klila? A Khoshov woman, and as we've said, a Khoshov woman would never take it off. Now Omalay Rashmul Barbar Khana L Rab Yosef. Rashmul Barbar Khana said to Rab Yosef. You told us explicitly in the name of Rav that a klila is allowed. Instead, what does he mean? Rav Yosef, you told us that klila is allowed. So we have to remember Rav Yosef was a huge Talmud Chacham. And then he got ill, sick, and he forgot all his Torah. So his students, you'll notice throughout Shas, we quite at the beginning of Shas, we'll notice that throughout Shas, we often see his students reminding him of what he taught them. Because he forgot all his learning. Um... So, Rav permits it. Now, this must be in line with Rav Ashi. Because remember, we had two versions regarding this tiara, this tiara. The first version, Rav said, all were also, whether it's woven or metal. The second version said, Rav said, a woven one's permitted, but a metal one is also. So, this must be in line with Rav Ashi. Omrulel Ravasa. Um, who's... Uh, they, they told Rav, Asagavre Rabba Arichel and Ardai, Umatla Vidoresh Kila Shori. This uh, tall man came to Nahardai and he was lame, he limped, and he told us that a woman's allowed to go out with the Kila. Omar Man Gavre Rabba Arichel to Itla. Rav said to himself, they weren't sure who this great man was. She says, Rav says, ah, who's the tall man who's lame, the great tall man? He says, Levi, it must be Levi. And now we're going to just insert with a little bit of history. So I'll just give a bit of background to the story. Rebbe said that Rebbe Hanina will be the Rosh Hashiva after him. Rebbe Fs was a little bit older than Rebbe Hanina. So Rebbe Hanina kind of stepped back and let Rebbe Fs become the Rosh Hashiva, the head of the academy in Israel in place of him. However, Rebbe Hanina, who was greater, couldn't go into the base medrash and subject himself to Rebbe Fs. So he used to learn outside the base medrash. So Levi felt, well, such a chosher person, Rebbe Hanina, I'm going to sit outside and learn with him. So what Rav's saying, Shmamina, noach nafshei de Rebbe Fs. It must be that Rebbe Fs died. The Yosef Rebbe Hanina Beresha, and Rebbe Hanina is now the new Rosh Hashiva. And there's no one else for Levi to learn with. His Chavrus has gone to be Rosh Hashiva, so he's come to Babel. So again, so how do we see that? Because again, if while Rebbe Fs was alive, Levi and Rebbe Hanina used to sit and learn together. Now that Rebbe Fs must be Rebbe Fs, why is Levi come to Babel? Must be Rebbe Fs died, then Rebbe Hanina is gone to be Rosh Hashiva. Mora says, Ah, Metilman not nafshay to Rebbe Hanina, but Rebbe Sf kada koi koi, the law havela inish le levi le mesif kavai vakasilaha. Says, Ah, but how do you know that Rebbe Fs died? Maybe Rebbe Hanina died, and now Levi doesn't have a chavrusa. And that's why he's come, and Rebbe Fs is still the Rosh Hashiva. He says, no, he missed the Rebbe Hanina. Shochiv, Levi, the Rebbe Fs, make up have a kaifle. Nah, if it was Rebbe Hanina who died, and Rebbe Fs was still Rosh Hashiva, Levi would have subjected himself, who was a bit more senior, to, to Rebbe Fs, who was more senior, and therefore Levi would have gone into the base Midrash and not come to Babel looking for a Chavrusa. 
there's all the two, and secondly, to Rabbi Hanina, it's impossible that Rabbi Hanina was not Rosh Hashiva. Why? To Chiyav Konoach Nafshei to Rabbi Omer when Rabbi was dying, he said Hanina, but Rabbi Chamei Yosef Beroish. Rabbi Rabbi when he was on his deathbed said Rabbi Hanina will be the head, the Rosh Hashiva, Vixiv Bahu, but Tadikim, and it's written regarding Tadikim, the Tigzur Omer Vekamloch. Whatever you say and decree will be fulfilled. And the Pasuk tells us that when a Tzadik says something, it's going to be fulfilled. So if Rebbe said Rebbe Hanina will be Rosh Hashiva, it must be that he will become Rosh Hashiva. So it can't be that Rebbe Hanina died before Rebbe Ephes, because then when would he have been Rosh Hashiva? So again, back to the main point of, well, so this interesting piece of history Again, Rabbi Ephes became the Rosh Hashiva. Rabbi Hanina didn't want to subject himself to Rabbi Ephes because it seems he was greater. Rabbi Ephes was a little bit older, but Rabbi Hanina was, um, was greater, so he didn't want to subject himself. So Levi stayed outside to learn with him. Levi then came to Babel, so Rav says, Ah, oh, must be that Rabbi Ephes died and Rabbi Hanina has gone inside and Levi doesn't have his Chavrosa anymore. And Levi held himself equal to Rabbi Hanina, so he wasn't going to subject himself to Rabbi Hanina. Um, then he says, Yeah, now Dorash Levi Bernardai, back to our story. Levi expounded in Nardai, Klila, sorry, a Klila is allowed. Nofik Esrin Vaabra Klila, Mikula Nahardai. When he made that drosha, 24 women started wearing Klilas in Nahardai. Dorash Rabbi Baravua, Mamachuza Klila, sorry. When Rabbi Baravua said in Mechuzah that a klila was permitted, Shari v'nofkik timri sorry klila mechata mavua. Eighteen t- um, of these klilas, of these tiaras, came out from one alley. And Mechuzah was a much more wealthy neighborhood, and therefore there were that many more people. Eighteen from one alley. Well, I'm actually not sure which one's more. Is it 24, because that's the total, or 18 from one alley and no one else? But I think... Um, I think we generally say that Mechuzah was a more wealthy city and therefore many more, 18 from one alley, obviously in the rest of the city there were many more, women came out wearing these klilas. Omar Rabbi Yehuda, Omar Rav Shmuel, Kamra Shori. Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Rav Shmuel, a Kamra is permitted. A Kamra was a very fancy decorative belt. So it's like a belt with, uh, made out of gold or jewels or with gold and jewels on it. Some said he's speaking about a woven one. And Rav Safra said this is similar to a golden coat. Uh-huh. This, this was a woven belt, a regular belt, but inlaid with all gold and gems. So it became a very fancy um, belt. And Rav Safra is saying then it's similar to a coat of gold with all these fancy gems. No one says you can't wear a coat with gems on because it's a tachshit. And therefore, so to this belt, granted it's a material belt, since it has all these gems on, he's allowed to wear it. Um, yeah, Rashi says the point that it's teaching here is that it is not, uh, it's not considered a masoya load, Rather, it's considered a tachshit, a jewelry and adornment, which, as we know, is permitted. And the Ritva says, um, why would you ever think a belt is a load? Why would you ever think a belt is a masui? 
So he rather learns that he says, nah. Says what, he, what, what the Gemara is saying is, Rav Safra is telling us, just as no one would ever take his talus off, his coat off, to show other people, you're not going to address yourself in public, so too with a belt. Right, that's what the, this piece is teaching us. Um, for Ike to Omri, some had a slightly different version. The Aniska that we, they were discussing, this that Rav Shmuel permitted a camera, was a metal, a gold one. And Rav Safra says it's similar to an Avnate of Melochim. That's why, so a golden belt, kings wore. And granted, you might say only kings wore it and therefore no one else is allowed to wear it. It's a load. No, all Jews are royalty and all Jews can get away, especially on Shabbos, with wearing a golden belt and it would be considered jewelry and not a load. Not something too out of the ordinary that it would be forbidden for them to wear. Yeah. Then there's an interest, a very interesting halacha that comes out from the sugya. That's that this uh, um, that this point uh, brings. Um, what's the reason you're allowed to wear this this fancy belt? Haven't we said throughout the parak that if it's jewelry, you're not allowed to wear it outside in public because you might take it off to show people? So there are various different answers which would have a very interesting ramification. The one answer is. Um, just as we said, you're not going to take off your jacket in public to show people, no matter how fancy it is. You're not going to take off your belt in public to show people how fancy it is. People view that as getting undressed, and therefore they're not going to do that in public. That's one possible answer. Um, another answer is that, no, this whole peric that we've said there's a Xaira to take, that you can't go out in public in ju- with jewelry, is because you might show someone else and not put it back and end up walking with it. It's only by women, because it's more in their nature to take off their jewelry and show people. Men don't necessarily take off their jewelry and show it off to people, and therefore the Xaira doesn't apply to men. Um, according to the second answer, this whole peric would not apply, or most of the halachas that we've learned in this peric, things to do with jewelry that you might take off to show your friends, wouldn't apply to men, it would only apply to women. Okay, so that's um, that's a machlokes rishonim whether, and this is one of the key sources how you understand this belt. Omale Ravina Ravashi Ravina said to Ravashi, "Kamre ilui hemina mai." What would be the halacha if he has a regular belt and then he wears this fancy golden belt over that belt? So Omale trey himni komart. Since you're speaking about two belts, obviously you're not allowed to wear two belts. Two belts is definitely considered a. Maso, your load. The second belt is Osir. And Omam Ravashi, Hairu Sika. Yeah, before we go there. So there's an interesting question. So that would be um, a belt over a belt. You're not allowed to do that. You've got to be careful in Shabbos. I mean, now we have an Eruv, so we don't know and we're not at all familiar with these. But I don't know if you remember those key belts. Shabbos, a Shabbos belt. It was a belt that clipped closed using the key as the buckle. Remember, you can't just hang a key from a belt, as we'll learn the more relevant halachas. You can't hang a key, a key from a belt because then the key's a masri and it's being carried. But if you use the key, the key as a clip or as the belt buckle, well, then you can wear it on Shabbos. But you wouldn't be allowed to wear your regular belt and then put your key belt over that belt because that's a belt on a belt. Another time where this question comes in, again, not so relevant to our line, but uh, can you wear a gartel? Pardon? 
Belton braces. In? If you wear belt and braces. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Could could be a problem. Could be a problem because the one's not necessary. Um, you might say you're wearing the braces for practical purpose and the belt for as jewelry. Uh, like I don't know, but yeah, it could be a problem to wear both. Um, but also gartel. I mean, we don't really wear a gartel, but some people do wear a gartel. So are they allowed to wear their gartel on Shabbos? Mm. Uh, carry it out in Rosh Hashanah. Okay, and that the poskim discuss. Omar Ravashi, Hairi Sukha, I Islay Mafrachisayu Shori, the Ilo Osu. This Risukha seems to be either a short coat or a corset. If it has these thin straps, it's permitted, but if not, it's Osu. If it has these thin straps that were made to tie it closed, you can fit it nicely and it's not going to come off and that's fine. If it doesn't have these short straps, then they'd wrap it around them, but it would often unravel and you couldn't get it tight and fitted well. And therefore, you might come to carry it, and it would be awesome. Then we mentioned in the Mishnah of Veloba Katla, not with a Katla. Um, my Katla, what is a Katla? Minkat Menakta Peiri. The translation is a crumb catcher. Various explanations. One explanation is it's mostly a choker. Rashi earlier on says in the days of the Talmud, they used to, they preferred more uh, voluptuous women, and therefore, if they, they would tie something very tight around their neck to show, make like a double chin. I guess it was more generally viewed as more, I guess, wealthy, uh, successful, um, wealthy and healthy um, that a woman and therefore they were tied tight to make a thing. But here Rashi seems to say that this cutler we're discussing was more like a bib that they used to wear. Again, a fancy bib, so I'd say more like a tie. It would be like something, um, that, but that's why they're calling it a, cum, a crumb catcher. It would, uh, they would tie tight around their neck. And it would hang down in front of them and stop all food falling on their clothes. But it was very fancy and it was a garb of like noble distinguished women. They would wear this uh, bib um, with, again, maybe it had jewels or fancy patterns on, I guess, kind of like a tie. Um, and then we said in the Zomim, this, we said in the Mishnah that a woman's not allowed to go out with rings. It says, Nizma'af, we're referring to nose rings. But thing, um, earrings, Rashi points out, earrings a woman can wear. Why can a woman wear earrings in public? Nizme Af, Rashi points out it's nose rings that are a problem, but earrings are fine. Why is that? She says because it's much harder to get earrings out and back in, especially with their headbands and their other jewelry and stuff. It would be very hard to get earrings out and back in. So they're not going to take off the earrings to show other people and therefore... A woman would be allowed to go out with earrings. That's what the Gemara is telling us when it emphasizes here specifically nose rings she's not allowed to go out with. This is the Lobotabas. Um, we'll leave it with this piece today.